You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Welcome to From the Cheap Seats, everybody. I'm Chris DeLambert, the inimitable Robert Bricky and Professor Trent Nichols today. Brandon Atkins may be in. I don't know. He's got some things going on. He's going to try to swing by. We'll see if he makes it. We'll bring him up to speed when he does. But in his stead, I think it's only fair that we open with the Lakers before he gets here to spew nonsense. (laughs) I'm going to say this. The only thing that could make this Lakers team more fun than it's going to be in 2018-2019 is if the head coach wasn't Luke Walton but was Bill Walton. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. What if Rodman comes out of retirement and joins the Lakers? Dude, that would be awesome. I think we're on. I bet you he's in great shape. I'm sure he is. And T.O. Get T.O. on there, too. Yeah. I like it. This got, there's got to be a reality show in the works here. This, are we getting punked? Oh. Is that what's going on? The latest Laker master stroke, they brought in Michael Beasley. And every one of these signings I look at, and any one of the signings other than LeBron James that the Lakers have made might have been something that a team had done as camp broke, at the deadline, right before the playoffs, where you're like, hmm, nice piece. Right. Good pickup. But instead, they've run out there and brought these guys in in the heart of the free agency period and the spin cycle is out of control. Well, you know, they signed all these guys to one-year deals because next year's when they're going to make their move. All right. Okay, What's great. all the hoopla about this year? Yeah. Can so, we just mail it in? So you'll be Barnum and Bailey oh. for one season <laughs> because you brought every clown show that you can get into a circus ring to join this team. And it looks like right now – Maybe by some miracle they pull it together and they have a respectable season and team. But right now it looks like a train wreck waiting to happen. Well, as long as you've got 23 in the building, they're going to find their way to respectability. But that's not what we've come to expect from LeBron James. Right. I can't imagine that his expectation is that. And if he really feels good about what's been done – putting this team together for this coming season, that may be the biggest distraction because he's never shown himself to be a patient man. And at this point in his career, I don't think he's going to tolerate anything less than excellence, and I don't know where it's going to come from. Yeah, I mean, LeBron has got to be, oh, yeah, look what I did with the Cavs last year. Well, now look what I can do with these guys. Maybe that's what it is. I'm going to take it all. I thought it was impressive when I you know, put up an MVP-type season with Kevin Love and Kyle Korver and Tristan Thompson. <laughs> that wasn't nothing. Watch, watch how I can do it here. I know I'm not going to win a ring, 
But watch this. Is that the thought process? I don't know. And I'm going to tell you, even you know the one move Brandon has defended vigorously has been Rondo. Well, Rondo, man, you know he's a competitor. He's a smart guy. On and on and on. Well, that's even going to be an interesting situation because at this point, probably the best player in the entire summer league was Josh Hart. Josh Hart plays point guard. Lonzo Ball is the second pick in the draft from a year ago. None of those guys can play the two. Rondo, does. how is he going to operate being the third option at point guard? That's not going to happen. This entire thing is nonsense. And any of you Laker fans out there who are one of two things, either blindly supporting these moves and think that there's some genius behind it, please stop. Just step back and, and look at it objectively. Or if you're just part of the problem and you're trying to perpetuate this myth <laughs> that the Lakers are really doing good things, stop. One way or the other, this is crazy. And to compound it, we're looking forward to next year's free agent class. And I keep pointing out to these people, y'all just went through this with Paul George and thought, oh, well, why would we trade for him? We'll just get him for nothing next year. And right. now he is signed long-term in Oklahoma City. And Kawhi is already talking about Brooklyn. Brooklyn would be very interesting. Huh. Well, here's the other thing about Brooklyn, too, is that Brooklyn, there is a whisper afoot that there is an agreement with Jimmy Butler and Kyrie Irving mm-hmm. to go to Brooklyn. You want to talk about teams that might be able to push Golden State, you give me Jimmy Butler, Kyrie Irving, and Kawhi Leonard? That's a good trio. That's a nice trio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does Putin have anything to do with that? <laughs> yes. I know Prokhorov. Yes. Okay. Well, I got two things He's got for the, the money to spend yeah. after the $50 billion he just got. First of all, Magic talked about his legacy as a GM. So he signs LeBron. He's the golden boy. And these next four signings, I'm thinking, first of all, are you just are you trying to tank and get a draft pick? And then the second piece is, have, did you consult your head coach prior to – because I'm the – Walt was like, we signed who? <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm not sure Walton's not ready to just suit up yeah. and come out and play. I was, so, Magic, he Walton, Magic had to go, hey, listen, Walton, you're our guy. Genie's behind you. You did a great job dealing with Ball. And Kobe. Yes. I think you're ready for the big time now. <laughs> until and good luck until <laughs> McGee until what? 25 games into the season when LeBron's like no no and we then Walton's the door and he'll be back on the bench as an assistant oh. with Golden State I, I this this whole thing is funny to me funny in so many ways but the Kawhi Leonard to Brooklyn is one possibility the Clippers tried to sign Tobias Harris to an extension he said no. Well, that means there's an endless supply of cap space out in L.A. on that side mm-hmm. coming next year. And there is always the chance that Drake gets his cl- his claws into Kawhi Leonard and turns this guy into Mr. Toronto, and he stays there. Well, yeah, I mean, Toronto is a huge market. Sure it is. The Raptors in Toronto are very, very popular. 
More it's popular a good town. than the Blue Jays. So people that go there are hesitant, and they're like, ah, I don't know about – I mean, even uh, Kyle Lowry, when he first went there, he's like, oh, man, this is going to be one and done. I can't right. take it. And now they couldn't get rid of him. He loves it there. Yeah, DeRozan not only re-signed there, he's been grumpy about having leave. Yeah. To go to San trade. Antonio when he's going to make – probably 30% more on his salary by going to Texas than living in Toronto. Yes, sir. Now, I lived in Toronto for two years. It's a fabulous city. Yeah. So guys do hesitate because they don't know. They think it's a foreign country. Technically it is. (laughs) But literally, you can drive to Toronto from here in less than 20 hours. Two, they speak English. Three, it's the most culturally diverse city in the world. The only issue is the weather. But in the spring and summer, it's fabulous because they think 82 is hot. (laughs) And they won't go outside. Well, and in the fall, you're going to spend half your time down in the States anyway, traveling on the road. Right. It'll be just fine. Whether Kawhi stays there in Toronto, whether he takes off for booking with Kyrie and Jimmy Butler or whomever else – goes to the Clippers, there's a lot of possibilities other than coming out to the Lakers to be Robin to LeBron's Batman, which in the end hasn't been attractive to anybody, not the least of which is Kyrie Irving. And that's the other piece of this is is I will tell you now that Cleveland last year and this Lakers team are comparable. However, Cleveland – two and three years ago, was far superior to the Lakers' 18-19 roster. Mm -hmm. And the only reason it didn't remain intact is because LeBron wanted it blown up. He couldn't play nice with Kyrie Irving. He blew the thing up. All of his buddies came in. And if you don't think that sounds familiar, you're just not paying attention. But you're talking about Toronto. Speaking of things Canadian, Johnny Manziel's on the move. <gasps> Are you excited? What? Johnny Manziel is on the move. Is he's he, been traded he to Montreal. With the he What's signed, that? He signed with the Lakers? <laughs> no, but that would be cool, too. Oh, I thought they signed another one. But his stats were so great with his Canadian football. Oh, never mind. Well, here's the thing. He's headed from the Hamilton Tiger Cats to the Montreal Alouettes. To be fair – to Johnny Manziel, as much as it pains me to be fair to him, Jeremiah Mazzoli is the starter in Hamilton and kept Johnny Manziel off the field. Remember who Jeremiah Mazzoli is? Anybody? Bueller? Bueller. No. Jeremiah Mazzoli was the quarterback at Oregon prior to Marcus Mariota, a couple quarterbacks before that. Jeremiah Mazzoli was a nice player. Jeremiah Mazzoli... Got busted for burglary back in 2010, if I'm not mistaken. Suspended for the year. Oregon was going to let him come back. And then in the meantime, he got busted for possession. Hmm. So they kicked him off the team. He ended up transferring down to Ole Miss, where those kind of things are not important, (laughs) and played as a starter at Ole Miss for a year. And I think he got credit, college credit. (laughs) No, I'm sure that he did not. Um it's political silence. It's went science, undrafted, isn't it? Signed, I don't know. You signed with somebody like in the it. NFL. Couldn't make it, but went up to Canada. So it is possible get that the reason I give that backstory about Jeremiah Mazzoli is that it's possible 
that in the same quarterback room, there was a bigger knucklehead than Johnny Manziel <laughs> in the building, which is hard to believe. But Mazzoli, over the last nine games up to this past weekend, had set a CFL record for consecutive 300-yard passing games. And their coach is June Jones? No, June Jones is where, um, what you call it, it's headed. Oh, no, no, okay. no. His former college coach yes. is in – uh, Montreal. Yes. I mean, uh, no, you're right. June Jones is the quarterback in Hamilton. Mike Sherman. Mike Sherman's is where is, he's going. Yeah. Yes. He's June Jones was coach. the coach. He's a, I mean, he's a really good offensive mind. And, well, and June Jones has made average quarterbacks look better than look they are. Better than they really are. Yep. Okay. I'm not saying that Jeremiah Mazzoni <laughs> no, should be on, on, I'm, you I'm know, not either, but I'm saying the Cleveland Browns radar no, to come down and play. A, I'm just saying that it is fair that Manziel was being kept off the field by somebody who was performing at an absolutely high uh, no level. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Um, but nine straight 300-yard games spanning I... back through last season, Mazzoli's been on fire. Manziel couldn't get on the field. This initially, when I saw the trade, there were the players included, and there are a bunch of guys playing Canadian football. I don't know who they are. But it was notable that Montreal included in the package gave up two first-round picks. They want him in there badly. Wow. And he will most likely start – from week one, and the CFL, you know, the NFL has is like the CIA. They run black ops all the time, and and you know, misinformation. I am certain that the CFL helped make this trade happen. There may be future considerations for the Alouettes or somebody something there to make this thing go. Johnny Manziel is the only thing that could make me watch the CFL. Yeah. I, I want to see him play in the CFL. I want to see how it goes. Like Rocket I, Ishmael. Yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. The good With memory. With Toronto. Good yeah. memory. Yeah. If he if he's playing well, I'd like to see him play. Like he was excited. Oh, no, if he plays in well. Once he once he's played for a little while, I don't care if he plays well or not. But right. I do want to see him on the field and see what I'd like what he's to see got. him succeed because I liked his style of play. He was a Ooh. little bit sand lot. A lot sand lot. Like drew the play in the dirt. And made it happen. I like that. Yes, sir. We'll see you on the other side. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, two American patriots trying to make sports talk radio great again. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts, every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit jimmyv.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. You know, Robert, before the break, you were talking about Johnny Manziel and the fact that he's a little bit sandlot. I would say he's more than a little bit sandlot, and not just because he draws plays in the in the dirt and, you know, you run this way, you run that way, and I'll zig and I'll zag, and then I'll, right. you know, I'll throw it off the light post out there. But because after the game, or maybe even at halftime, out at the sandlot, you can sneak back behind the restroom and concession and do drugs. <laughs> that's, why, that's why he's a lot of sandlot. Um, Johnny Manziel, what do you think his future holds as it pertains to the CFL, Mr. Nichols? Oh, 
You know, I still don't know if I'm rooting for him or if I'm not. I mean, I think he has to have a shot. You know, he's got to play so we can know what we're going to get from him. Do I ever think he's going to get back into the NFL? I think it's pretty slim, but I guess this season will tell us. So I don't know how good he'll be. It's just going to matter on how mature he is, not what he says. If he's going to be a a student of the game and really try and get into the playbook and right all those wrongs that he did, he might be all right. It's a different style. They don't really play his style up in Canada. I mean, it's wide open, and and there's all kinds of craziness with players moving toward the line of scrimmage and – they play with 12 players on the field. Is that right? I believe so. 55-yard line. End zones are like 20 yards deep. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's barely football. <laughs> What's your I, prediction? Part of the problem, in my opinion, is the wild lifestyle and the craziness and the chaos was how he played. So I think that fueled him as a player – now he's got to be mature and responsible and study and practice. Does he has the does he have the physical tools and the right mentality to be able to pull that off without that chaotic style of play he had before? Is it, I don't is it without the chaotic playing style that you're saying, or is it just without the cocaine? Well, I, I'm just saying <laughs> that was the fuel for the chaotic <laughs> style of play, but. Can he be that guy? We don't know. Well, here's to here's to hoping he gets vindicated right. up there. I, I, I like to see him get it together because everybody makes mistakes. I'd like to see him turn his life around and get it going in the right direction. Well, and speaking of, of pariahs that play quarterback or don't play quarterback in the NFL, Colin Kaepernick, two years into this whole national anthem debacle, um, finally has gotten – it has gotten to the point where players' representatives and the league are going to sit down in the same room and actually talk about possible avenues forward. It's amazing that this hadn't happened up till now. Right. With a policy that is, it's I don't know. Is can you even put your hands on it? Do you even understand? I don't know that the owners know what's going on. The president continues to chime in with, you know, suspend them all, right. find these guys, kick them out of the league, and the rest of that doesn't do anything but add fuel to the fire. But here's the interesting piece of this is up until seven or eight years ago, do you guys remember that the NFL didn't even – the teams weren't even on the field for the anthem? Yeah. Why don't we just hit the reset button and be done with that? We, haven't, we didn't grow up with this pomp and circumstance of having the players on the field for the national anthem during regular season games. It would really seem pretty straightforward and simple to me. Social media. Is that what it is? Social That's media is, is the root of the Because the when the whole thing got blown out of proportion, the fans started chiming in. Social media went ballistic. Then the NFL had a knee-jerk reaction. And then now they don't know what to do. They got it wrong twice already, and they still can't get it right. And I'm with you. I know they're trying to respect the flag, and I appreciate that. My dad was a veteran, and I know freedom ain't free. But people defend our country, so we have freedoms. And we have the freedom of expression. And as lo- in my opinion, as long as it's not disrespectful, there's a way you can do it and it be respectful. And they should come to some agreement about that. Fair enough. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the NFL started the whole thing when they went into agreement with the uh, armed forces that they would bring out the the teams for the national anthem, um, and it was fine, and that's fine. I don't I don't mind. I agree that we could have just easily gone back to not having the teams out there, um, but the NFL botched it. I mean. They've handled this whole thing wrong the whole time. They came to this new policy without just – it was kind of like a knee-jerk reaction that they thought everyone would be set. I mean, this is what they should have done in the beginning. Yes, Gotten sure. together with the NFL Players Association and figured out what's best for the league and everyone they involved. They they were going to lose money. And that's what killed them. They reacted because they thought they were going to lose money. And listen – when football season rolls around, we're what we're in. It sure. doesn't matter. But we still we're have to watching. listen to this. We still have to watch this. This should be dead and in Correct. the ground. But I mean, saying, we have one week was, left before you're right. football. I'll it's tell the you field. What, I agree. The, the best thing that can happen toward creating an end for this is for the NBA to keep doing what it's doing. Right. Because it hasn't ceased to amaze me in the last two years how the NBA suddenly is viable during the offseason. It's a real thing. Yeah. And for years and years and years, it was football, 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 and you turn across the dial right now. What's going on in training camp? I don't have any idea. Right. Adam Schefter, who's he? Mm-hmm. I haven't even – I've heard this guy's well, name. Well, he broke news today. Yeah, he broke news and he's Tim got it Tebow. wrong. Tim uh, Tebow. Hold on. I want to talk about the Josh Gordon stuff here in a little oh, bit. Oh, but he's he broke news about Tim Tebow breaking his hand and now Tebow won't – Get called up by the Mets in September. No way. Yeah. How'd he break his hand? He uh, this weekend he was batting and broke a. He has to have surgery. Oh, so it was a cool the like punch in a water cooler type. No, situation. it was batting. All right. Well, here's the other thing that that Schefter has to say with regard to jo- to Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon and the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns are the worst franchise in professional They're cursed. <laughs> They're cursed. And they are so cursed that they live in mortal fear of parting ways with Josh Gordon, who is one of the more mercurial athletes of the last decade. This guy is the the legit, real deal when he's on the field and cannot get out of his own way. And over the last 36 hours or so, there's been a bizarre development. I don't know if you're tracking this, Bricky. I am not. Oh, yes. The Cleveland Browns announced that they are placing Josh Gordon on the non-football injury list. Out of nowhere. Now, they've been done with their off-season program. They're about to open camp. So, the assumptions were flying around. Oh, my God. Another failed test. Suspension's looming. They're laying the groundwork. Well, the team says, no, no, no. This is a proactive step. We want to make sure that he can get into counseling and continue to do the things to sort of harden himself and not backslide. Mm-hmm. And Schefter has come out, <coughs> says that he has talked to folks close to the situation and that there is no failed test. Anybody care to speculate before I tell you what I think is going on? Anybody? Here's what's going on. This is All conjecture. But when it comes to light, you heard it here first. I think what happened is that over the last 48 hours, Josh Gordon took a test. And after he took the test, 
went back to the club and was like, I done burnt that test up. The club, what recourse do they have? They can't suspend him because he hasn't failed a test. I think that proactively they're like, oh, we're going to run you back to treatment. We're going to try to do the right things. And I think what you're going to see here soon is that the league announces Josh Gordon has failed yet another test. And that's it. And is gone. Forever. And I think the Cleveland Browns' hands have been tied and they're trying to do the right thing here. And to compound this story, the NFL has been queried about Josh Gordon's situation and their response was, quote, we will comment when it's appropriate. Mm. Sounds now, like a cover-up. Well, the response would have been, why aren't y'all saying something about Josh Gordon? What, what do you mean? We don't know. We, what, what comment? There's nothing right. that's happened. Something obviously has happened if they said, no, no, we're not going to comment until it's appropriate. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Now, the proceeding, just a disclaimer, was all conjecture. I could be completely wrong, wrong but show. I don't think that I am. That's well, what we do. That is what we do. Speculation, conjecture. Completely secondary. Yeah, who worries? Don't Cleveland worry about goes to camp this week. Yes. If I was a drug tester and you're on that list, you got to know they're going to hit you. Well, these guys that are in the programs, so the, these guys that are in sense. The, the NFL substance abuse programs, oh, they get tested time after time. So do you think time, Josh Gordon is time. a better person now where he goes, hey, dude, I failed this test to the um, Browns organization and not been like, whatever, let's roll? Yeah, I think that is what I think happened. And you think he went there and go, okay, I had my tests and I know right. I, 100% I failed. I'm following the I'm fact done. pattern, and either he told them or they got wind of something that had happened and think that he's going to, but it does. the timing of him going on to the NFI doesn't make any sense at all. Mm-hmm. They're about to start camp. This is a guy that hadn't gone through camp in ages. They have new quarterbacks. He they have a whole new system. He needs this camp more than anybody. Yep. Baker Mayfield – Needs all the weapons around him and all the reps with these guys that he can get. And you're taking this guy out of the system for that? Something has happened. This is not we're going to be proactive and we're going to make sure that you don't you don't do wrong. I'll tell you what you do in a case like that. It's what, what the Reds, the Rangers, and the Angels did for Josh Hamilton for years. We'll talk about it on the other side. You're listening to the From the Cheap Seats in Sanford, North Carolina. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Imagine if I told you that an earthquake was going to hit tomorrow right where you live. That it would be 6.5 in magnitude with aftershocks occurring twice 25 minutes apart you'd no doubt talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. It's true, I can't tell you an earthquake will happen tomorrow, but what if it does? Shouldn't you have a plan? Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait, communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. When it comes to saving money, don't act like a baby. Goo goo gaga. Be the boss and make a budget. I'm the boss, baby. You're the boss of me. I am the boss of you. Or not. M2. Or not. M2. Need a little help? Aren't you going to do any work? I'm very busy delegating. Create a personalized savings plan. We can share. You obviously didn't go to business school. And get other tools and tips at feedthepig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. When it comes to saving money, don't act like a baby. Goo goo gaga. Be the boss and make a budget. 
I'm the boss, baby. You're the boss of me. I am the boss of you. Are not. M2. Are not. M2. Need a little help? Aren't you going to do any work? I'm very busy delegating. Create a personalized savings plan. We can share. You obviously didn't go to business school. And get other tools and tips at feedthepig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. And now, from Sanford, North Carolina, Chris Lambert and Brandon Atkins. Got money, got fame, fast cars and everything. All right, welcome back from the Cheap Seats, everybody. I'm Chris DeLambert. You can find us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Cheap Seat Radio. We'd appreciate it if you'd uh, give us a follow. Tell your friends. We do more and more week in and week out with Twitter than we do anyplace else. So if you're looking for one stop, kind of hit us out over there. And we apologize in advance if we mention your team and something bad happens to them right afterwards. It's probably our fault. Probably. Sorry, Tiger. We love you. Uh, here's How did we make it through the first half hour without talking about Tiger? And I'm not going to do an autopsy on the final round of the British Open, but I do want to know, did you guys watch the final round of the British Open? I did. You did. Yes, sir. I did. I guarantee you none of the three of us would have watched the entire last round had Tiger Tiger not not been at the top of the leader. That is correct. Here's the question I want to pose to you guys. Tiger Woods not winning the British Open but just being in contention. Is there any other thing with any other person that could do more good for the PGA than Tiger Woods being involved in the last round of a major. I mean, Tiger no. didn't win, and the ratings, the overnight <laughs> ratings for the NBC coverage were a five. That was up 40% from last year, and Tiger didn't even win. And that was right. the biggest one in, what, 15 years? Yeah. The highest rated overnight return they've had. Unbelievable. Not There is not one single athlete in any sport that can do that. No. For their My sport. wife sat down to track what was going on with Tiger, and while she wasn't actively engaged throughout the entire morning, consistently asked, what's going on with Tiger? What's up with Tiger? And it, it, I don't think I even realized what a big deal it was going to be when he came back <laughs> and was actually in the mix. Now, after Saturday, did you think – Nah. He was going to get that close. I, I hoped that he would. And it was interesting going into the coverage. I don't know if you actually turned it on. It, it started at about 9.15 or so is when the coverage started in earnest, right before Tiger went out. And Mike Tirico, they had a little montage and the rest of that. And Mike Tirico basically came in and said, you know, most of y'all are tuning in because Tiger's here. But it's not really realistic, you know, that he's going to get close. And then an hour and a half later – 
He was a stroke up on the field on 11. And I honestly thought he was going to run away and hide. That is amazing that it actually happened. And, you know, he was probably 12 inches from winning that thing. Mm-hmm. And he's taken a lot of abuse because on, you know, 12 where he tried, you know, too much, dude, you got to go for it. You know, had he, had he, had he played passively – and gotten caught, that would have hurt. But the fact that he went for it, it was a lot of fun. It, it was, was even cool. disappointing that final putt that he missed yeah, it for was. birdie. Sure it was. I was still rooting like, yes, do it. Let's yeah, go. Right. Six under. Yeah. It was amazing. And to look up and Jordan Spieth, McElroy, Tiger Woods, everyone's chasing Tiger Woods. Well, what's unbelievable is like, you just what? said about that leaderboard, Spieth, McElroy, Woods, they're in the mix. And Francesco Malinari, kudos to the country of Italy for their very first major. What is that, 19 different countries now that have won a major. Malinari gets Italy in there. Good for them. If you had to say that the two guys playing together, Tiger Woods and Francisco Marinara, (laughs) were the only two guys – that hadn't had a bogey in the final round, and Mr. Molinari or Marinara looked Tiger right in the eyes and said, I got this dog. Hey, listen. He did boom, his thing, baby. Think, but, but think about the nerves he had. Oh, yeah. Rock solid. Par was your friend. And playing against arguably one of the greatest, not arguably, one of the greatest ever, on his comeback when he had a lead and you still held your nerve. Yeah. And on Sunday. Dealing and with everything else, the biggest crowd following them, all the other noise, all the other everything going on, and he held on and did it. Yes. And you know who didn't hold on and do it? Jordan Spieth. No. Jordan Smith folded up shop. He just needed to shoot par. I, you know – Spieth, shoot par. I have said this before. Jordan Spieth to me is not particularly gifted as a golfer. He doesn't do things with a golf club that other guys on tour can't do. He can't shape shots and hit it farther than anybody else can out there. He is a pretty good putter when he gets hot. It's all about the mental part of the game. And what we're starting to see is that Jordan Spieth and those nerves of steel and that ability to just hit the reset button really isn't as as potent as we might have thought it was. Well, what was it, two years ago, three years ago, on part tw- the uh, 12th hole at the Masters that he chunked it and mentally fell apart? I don't know if he's ever recuperated from that. All last year, he never really had it. The beginning of this year, I don't know. I well, think that we British saw o- that chink in the British Open he won last year. He did. Yeah. And and he that did. was the one where people were like, okay, Spieth is back. Yeah. Well, he came along at a time where they were looking for the next guy. Yes. Because mm-hmm. Tiger was gone. Well, and, and a couple not just of guys that, had flashes in the pan. That's right. It's not just the Tiger because McElroy, who is as physically gifted as anybody that's ever played the game, McElroy was supposed to be that Both guy. That Tiger guy. came Jason too, Day. McElroy came so too were, early. There were several guys that came along, and they got hot for a short period, and then they miss a cut. 
Yep. And, I'm, and then they fall apart. And so well, we're like, he's the guy. Um, maybe he's not. And so we still haven't been able to anoint the next guy. Well, and as far as Tiger's concerned, maybe you're not going to get to anoint the next guy because now he is the favorite. Right. I got Molinari. Moving forward. Molinari. Molinari has been the best golfer the last five weeks. Well, he picked the right time to peak Mm -hmm. and was impressive. I mean, you look at it. I'll tell you, I don't know how close attention you were paying, but Xander Shoffley was in the mix until the end. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have no idea how that was possible. That was as great a scrambling job as I think I've ever seen, just for him to stay in the mix all the way up until the final hole. Shaffley, you want to talk about nerves. This guy was in the bunker, behind the greens, in the everywhere. And just kept getting it up in there and, and putting it down. But as far as striking the ball off the tee and out of the fairway, oh, my God, it couldn't have gone any worse. Well, what about the – I mean, my favorite story of the weekend that – you know, he tied, what, for second, Justin Rose. Yeah. After the first two days, he was dead and gone. Yes. Yeah. You know, and so when they were making that run and Tiger was kind of ahead and it was all there, it was, you know, minus seven was the lead and all that, I almost kind of, after the 11th hole, I was like, man, I'm kind of rooting for Rose. Oh, here. it would have been great. would have been a story. great story. What's it been, 15 years since a, since a Brit won the British Something, Open? yeah. It's been a long time. But Tiger, we'll see – we keep we've been looking for something to hang on to and say yeah. Tiger's back. This is it. Tiger can hit it with all of those kids. And uh, once uh, once he gets a little bit of luck on his side, I think Tiger's going to be just fine. And I do think at this point, I can say with what I feel is a hundred percent certainty, he will win another couple majors. The uh, Bridgestone. He's now fiftieth in the in the world, so he matches up for the last. What is it, the WSC or the WCS Bridgestone Classic or whatever the tournament they have? The WGC. And he's won there before at Bridgestone, so people are kind of looking at that. I mean, I liked what Tiger said. Now, (laughs) do you think because he knew the outcome, but he said, well, in the morning I was thinking to myself, you know, if I could get to minus nine, I'll win this thing. And then the winner gets to eight. You know, is that him being – no, Tiger knows. I, I, I think. Or is that him afterwards going? Well, it's minus eight. It's going to win. So I have to say that I thought it was nine. No, I think Tiger's a pretty good student of the game and and knows the conditions. And you know, he was very gracious for Molinari too. I think he described his round as beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, Molinari, he deserved to win that thing. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of good fortune went his way. You know, he just went. You know, played good target golf and uh, kept himself out of the trash. Those bunkers, that's my favorite part about watching the British Open is when they play with those pot bunkers, seeing guys get stuck down in there. Yeah, That's um, got to be frustrating. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then the course, like a cow pasture. Yeah. It looked awful. Well, here's the question, and no offense to you guys, but I wish Dave was here. If you remember at the U.S. Open, all of the trash talking that went on with regard to the, the shape of the course and how difficult it was and on and on and on. The course, you know, the, the course got away from them. On and on, you didn't hear anything like that at the British Open, and it's it's sacrilegious. You know, it doesn't matter how difficult those courses are in that part of the world. That's hallowed ground, well, I, and I none of they, these guys are going to complain about it. They rely a lot on the wind too, of course, and they always kind of count on the final round that by six thirty seven o'clock, usually the wind dies down. Well, this weekend the wind was on 
the golf god side, and it didn't slow down. Well, you know what? I love those shared greens, though. I would be so confused on that crap. (laughs) Like one of the things, Tiger chipped, and it went past the green. Both he he used his pitching wedge on the green, and I'm like, I didn't think you could do that. But it was a shared green that nobody else was going to play because it was number four. I was like, "Eh, that's crazy. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I'm start using my Kaplan. Can I use my uh, pitching wedge See, on the green next time I, I play? I have revolutionized the game. I've played shared greens all my life. <laughs> <laughs> I, just I never have got hit credit. a fairway wood or two <laughs> off of a green. Just saying, I do it very quickly, and it's one of those you don't take a practice swing. You get up there to look left, look right, take a whack. Hey, I'm it. great at teeing off at one and hitting my second shot in the fairway of ten. Yeah, you know, there you whatever. Go. Yes, got shared greens. Yeah. Tiger, Tiger Woods, y'all. All right. So is it is this true or false? True or false? Vegas says that the odds of the Houston Rockets winning an NBA championship decrease if and when they sign Carmelo Anthony. True or false, Robert Ricky? I'm going to say true because I don't think he adds to that team. I think it's addition and subtraction (laughs) at the same time. All right. So it's subtraction by By addition. addition, I like it. Okay. Trent, how do you feel about it? Does, Does Carmelo Anthony really decrease the chances of the Rockets winning an NBA championship? What decreased the the odds of the Rockets winning the championship was Boogie Cousins. No, that didn't decrease them. That eviscerated them. <laughs> <laughs> So the odds of and anybody winning the championship went away a long time ago. They haven't signed Clint Capella yet. No. And they've lost two other guys. So adding yeah. Carmelo with what they've lost, yeah. even if they sign Capella, Not sorry, saying. guys. And Carmelo at this stage in his career refuses – to admit that he's not the guy he used to be and won't accept a new role. I don't know if I bring that guy into my team then. You have got to think that the front office and Chris Paul have had significant conversations with this guy at this point. You've got to think that there was a meeting of the minds and that Carmelo has said, yes, I am going to be plugged into – whatever hole right. it is you want me to be plugged into. If that has not happened and there's not a clear understanding, he could tear that Rockets team apart. Yeah, Harden has got to get his shots and his looks, and he's not going to settle for less. We'll talk about it more on the other side. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Crystal Lambert and Brandon Atkins always help me with my draft picks, but I sure wish they would stop hanging out with Zeke Elliott. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. 
I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. But if you really want to know what's going on, Professor Trent, they should listen to you and me, Diamond Dave Kaplan. We've got a better grasp on sports, I think. It's astute analysis. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. We wrap up the first hour. If you're listening on WBCC, follow us on Over the Internet. You can find the podcast version of the show, two full hours, in the iTunes podcast app. Just look for From the Cheap Seats. And uh, we'd appreciate a five-star rating. I um, I needed to clarify because I did ask for reviews and ratings. And a couple people called me and said, hey, I hooked you up a review. Might not have been five-star. No, it didn't really happen. But, uh, no, we appreciate the attention. Like we said earlier, you can find us on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. Um, let us know what you're thinking. And if you want to send a comment or an observation to or about the show, you can reach us at CheapSeatRadio at gmail.com. That's CheapSeatRadio at gmail.com. We'd love, love, love to hear from you. Now, on Wednesday, July 25th, like I do every Wednesday evening, I'll be hosting trivia at Libations on Chatham Street in downtown Sanford. You're invited to come on out. We play from 6 until 8 o'clock. A $50 credit towards your bar tab is what you're playing for. Uh, it's a good time to get a chance to come out, hang out, drink a couple adult beverages, and have a good time. If you don't have anything else to do on Wednesday afternoon, come out to Libations on Chatham. That's the 25th at 6 o'clock or any Wednesday moving into the future. And like we do every week, kind of, we're going to tease some categories. Now, in honor of Johnny Manziel and his trade to the Montreal Alouettes, I think it's only fitting that this coming Wednesday we do a Canadian Football League Trivia category. Oh, I thought you were going to say cocaine trivia. <laughs> Sorry. I'll take. Well, I tell you what we'll do. I, I tell you what we'll do. The 25th, we will do a CFL category on the. Well, I got to make sure I got my dates right. I think I screwed them up. Let's see. It is July. And yeah, the 25th. Okay. So here's what we're going to do August 1st. We'll do a cocaine category. Oh, God. Specifically athlete, No, celebrities Celebrity. and cocaine. They, they that would know. include athletes, but celebrities and cocaine. So, this coming Wednesday, Canadian Football League. The following, on the 1st of August, we will do celebrity cocaine. I like that. <laughs> I like it. What did Thomas Hollywood Henderson say? <laughs> cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> Hey, that, I like that. Yeah, we'll do that. So you're invited. Come on out. We uh, we always open and close with music categories. And what happens there is I'll play about a 30-second uh, clip from five different songs. You've got to name the artist and the song. This coming week, just to give a little additional tease, we're going to do movie songs 
can you do cocaine songs? Is there enough songs about cocaine to tease? You know what? I'll make that happen. <laughs> so this week what you're going to get is Canadian Football League, cocaine songs, <laughs> and I'll, movie songs. I'll take Eric Clapton about, for 400, Chris. How about cocaine <laughs> movie songs? Now that might be pushing. I don't know if I can come up with enough. Scarface. Ones. There's one. Okay, I'm out. Yeah. Well, Scarface is an artist and a right. cocaine movie. So oh. just so that we're clear, the teased categories for the 25th of July, Canadian Football League, songs about cocaine, and movie songs. So you'll have to name the song, the artist, and the movie it's associated with. How you like that? I like it. All right, cool. The following week, we'll do a celebrity cocaine category. We'll be good. All right, we've talked about Mellow. I want to know what you guys think in terms of total offseason for NBA teams. Because at some point, we've got to put the NBA offseason to bed and pivot toward football. I don't know when that's going to be. You know, I thought the only thing that could keep us on basketball this long would be LeBron stretching out this decision forever, and that didn't happen, and I'm still, like, fixated. I can't get basketball out of my head. What team's offseason stands out to you in terms of NBA teams and what they've done? Well, the Lakers, for all the wrong reasons. Fair enough. They got one right, and then they got five wrong. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, Magic is uh, – maybe he's going to perform some – pull off some magical trick here and uh, pull this thing together, he and Palinka. But um, I think uh, the Warriors, if Boogie comes back healthy, and he – again, he's going to have to adjust his role. He's used to having the ball in his hands and getting a lot of shots and taking threes and that kind of thing. So if he can buy in – and he'll be hungry because he's trying to earn a contract the following season. That could be good. To me, the team that has won this offseason. The Bulls. No. Bulls, I like what the Bulls have done. But the Bulls is a very – there's a couple asterisks there. Right. There's an asterisk. There's a little cross there. <laughs> there's some plus signs because it all comes down to the health of Jabari Parker and Zach Levine. Right. The team to me – that has really done a great job this offseason is OKC. I mean, first of all, they shocked the world and they actually get Paul George back in. They managed to get Carmelo Anthony off their books and in the same breath add Dennis Schroeder. What? Who's a good player. Schroeder. He's a good player. And and people ask him, well, what's Schroeder going to do? What's Schroeder going to do? First of all, Russell, Russell Westbrook doesn't need to play 40 minutes a night. But the other thing, Westbrook <laughs> is big and athletic enough to play a little too. I think right. you'll see those guys on the floor together a little yeah. bit. Then the sneaky, 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 lucked out signing, Nerlens Noel. And people are clowning that signing. Well, he's garbage. He's garbage. Well, no, he was garbage when we talked about him in the context of being a possible max contract guy. Right. But when you bring him in for a million and a half dollars to back up Steven Adams, give me some more of that. He can rebound and defend. And if he can get you a couple of buckets as a bonus, I think you're right. Yeah. Let me back back up to Carmelo for one second. Oh, yeah, please do. Please do. So you made the point. OKC got him off their books. 
win for OKC. They traded him to where? Brooklyn. He went he went from OKC to Brooklyn. Who did? Carmelo. Went from OKC to Atlanta who released He's, him, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this deter- this should help you determine your role by the way you're treated. They couldn't wait to get rid of you in Oklahoma. You didn't even get to go to Atlanta and have a cup of coffee before they got rid of you. And so you think you're still a guy that should get start and get his shots. You're not that dude anymore. People don't even want you on your their rosters. They gave up Dennis Schroeder to get rid of you. Well, here's the thing I don't get is is Atlanta. Schroeder had to have some value as a trade piece. Oh, yeah. He had to have. <laughs> and I get that he's tainted goods. There's the whole assault charges out there of a non-sexual nature. Don't want him to get lumped in with that crew. Right. But Schroeder is pending possible charges in Atlanta for a fight. So there were some question marks, but you can't tell me that a 24-year-old kid that puts up 19 points a night doesn't have value somewhere. And to give him away and give him away, let OKC off the hook for Carmelo's deal, surprise rest of the NBA, OKC was going to release him. I, I don't understand how they managed to get Schroeder in this deal. And if Atlanta was that adamant about trying to get rid of Schroeder, I will never understand how the Magic, who had conversations with them about Schroeder, how he didn't get to Orlando. Yeah. And they're a team. They, in maybe need. the Magic didn't have a $25 million guy that they could cut. Right. I don't, after they traded for him. Yeah, I don't understand. <laughs> you know? And right. I mean, when you think about the construct of Orlando's roster, they, they got need. some nice bigs down there. Yeah. And, and he could. The thing I like about Schroeder, he makes other guys better. He looks like he'd be fun to play with because if you're open, he'll get you the ball. And he can break down a D and get to the paint and make the right decision. In my opinion, that's a good point guard. Yeah. One of the one of the articles that I read about this said that Atlanta's front office was concerned about his decision making with the ball. This is the have, same front office that they just watched? used the third pick in the draft for Trey Young. It's just oh, bizarre listen, to me how some of these front offices run. This is a new way to tank. See, they look like they're making moves to help their roster, but they're really tanking. I think L.A. has shown us the best way to tank. But oh, man. Hey, my sneaky pick that, I mean, and Chris is on this team's bandwagon forever – and this guy may be the new king of the East, but Milwaukee signing Brooke Lopez, dude, that's a pretty good piece. It is He's a probably nice one of the piece. best bigs out there. He's he is a nice big that understands his role. Yes. Yeah. I don't love the fact that Milwaukee let Jabari Parker get away, but I do understand that in the economics of today's NBA, you just can't keep signing everybody. Milwaukee is always going to come down, well not always, but it's going to come down to can they stay healthy and get all these guys on the floor and keep them there. I still think there's some questions at the point guard for Milwaukee. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats if you're on WDCC. Follow us to the internet. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.
know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue, and you can use, like, anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey, bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. I'm Chris DeLambert. I'm Brandon Atkins. I'm Professor Trent Nichols. Coming to you from the cheap seats. Welcome back to the second hour from the cheap seats. We appreciate you hanging out with us. If you're listening on WRPR, good looking out. Wednesdays, Rat Pack Radio, 7.30 Wednesdays. It's good stuff. You should check them out. Go on over to ratpacksports.com. Uh, Ironic Media, you can catch us there too. Or, of course, you can head over to our podcast if you're uh, having to jump off and go do more productive things than listen to internet radio. You can find us whenever you like in the iTunes podcast app, Google Play, or anywhere else. Just yeah, It may take a little effort, but it's worth it, I promise. Am I the only one that remembers when the Seattle Seahawks were like the model franchise for professional sports and how to run a front office? What? Yeah. What, like four years ago? Yeah. I remember that. I remember the next Jack dynasty. Patera and when they were a new league franchise in the league, and they were fun to watch. They sucked. But they were fun to watch because they ran fake punts and kicks and razzle-dazzle. Who was the quarterback? Uh, Jim Zorn. Yes. And Steve Largent. Steve Largent. The best white wide receiver of all yep. time, maybe. Yeah. I remember <laughs> when uh, Brian Boswell uh, spit on John Elway. Brian Bosworth. Brian Bosworth, You know what's too. funny, you know what's funny about Bos? Too. Yeah, but you know what's funny about Bosworth is that the only thing – most people remember is him getting trucked by Bo Jackson on Monday Night Football. <laughs> you know, it's it's bananas. And I'm not a Bosworth fan. I'm not an Oklahoma fan. Bosworth was a nice linebacker for the couple of years that he was healthy before right. he went out of the league. It's a shame that what he's remembered for is that one particular play where yeah. Bo Jackson just ran him over. And, well, his persona was bigger oh, than his game. And that's yes. what killed him. Because he was really good at Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and but his persona was huge, and then so he got to the league, and his persona was huge, but his game didn't translate in the same way he did it at Oklahoma. Well, and I don't know if you guys remember. I'm certain that you don't. Most people wouldn't. There was actually controversy when he came into league because he wanted to wear. I think it was number 44 was the number he wore at Oklahoma. And playing linebacker in the NFL, the NFL was a lot more stringent on their numbers. They're still anal about it now. Right. But they wouldn't let him wear the number 44 as a linebacker. So there was questions. And I don't even remember what the outcome was. I know that they were going to have to list him as a safety on the depth chart if they were going to let him wear that number or something. And I don't even remember what number he actually wore. But that it just was one thing after the other, after the other, after the other. And the haircut. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. it was over the top. It was at the time, you know, it was I guess it was kind of a cool cut. Yeah. But um in retrospect, there are lots of cuts that were cool at one time. True. That are not now. Which brings me to a very bad haircut. And that belongs to Josh Hader of the Milwaukee Brewers, who is rocking this sort of mullet thing. It's fifty five was Bosworth. Was it fifty five? Yep. Now that's the number he wore in the yeah, NFL. He yes. wanted, he wanted, yeah, but he wanted, I'm almost certain that it was forty-four yeah. that he wanted to wear. So he must have finally succumbed and said, "I'm not going to fight the system on this, and I'm going to wear fifty-five. Good, good research skills. I like that. Thank you. We have a crack stat. He was here. forty-four at uh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. How do I do that? You can buy his uh, jersey at Walmart for forty nine ninety nine. Is that an Oklahoma jersey or a Oklahoma. Seattle jersey? See, I might actually want to have a Sooners Bosworth jersey. You can I, I don't know that I'd pay fifty bucks for it, but I I'm, I'm going to look on eBay. Thirty eight ninety nine on Bonzia, dude. That sounds like some Chinese called. knockoff yeah. stuff, man. I don't know. I don't you can buy my basketball card online for ninety nine bucks. You can, and it's not just your basketball card, but it is a Jim Mint graded card. That's right. Mm. And I'm still waiting on said card to make its way into the building. You got a card facsimile. I I did get a facsimile, and that may be – I'm not sure about the legality of that, but I think that the owner of that card may have a case against you. (laughs) In about two and three-quarter years when I finish law school, I'll clear that up for you and let you know. But, uh, yes, we do have a facsimile of – a replica, a replication of that card. So we're moving in that direction. We need to replicate an autograph on that replication. And no, 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 no. Here's what we need to do. We just need to wait. And at some point, I'm going to get one of these student loan disbursements or something and be like, you know what? I'm just going to eat this and pay 100 bucks and get this card. <laughs> the problem is, is that that particular card, which is the same one I've found on eBay, is graded and it's in a sealed container. Anybody that out there that's a card nerd like I am knows those are permanently inside the case. See, you really can't autograph it. You can autograph the case. Hmm. So if anybody has hands on one of those... I have hands. I was going to say blue doo devils. (laughs) The blue devils, Robert Bricky cards. Make me an offer. Make me an offer. This is an invitation to I hear it's misprinted. The, the card. Is it? Yeah, because it has them listed at 6.5. <laughs> Next week, come hell or high water, I'm bringing a tape measure in. And the little p- paragraph doesn't say that he invented the crossover. Well, that's just that that's unacceptable. That's just ludicrous. Yes. See, I'm 50 now. Yes. I'm probably 6.4. So I you think that the compression Robert, in your spine. Exactly. I did a lot of jumping. Fair Robert, enough. All right. I think you're still 6'5". I, I, I think we reserve that whole spinal column compression shrinking to people that have, like, jumped out of airplanes, things like that. I, I got up pretty high. Yeah, well, that's fair enough. You did get up Before we measure him against the wall, Robert, you're going to have to lay down and roll your back on some tennis balls for us. Get you high enough. Get that spine compression. Uh, yeah, there we go. Get loose. Well, no. The guy that needs to sciatic. roll around with, with no. tennis balls before we measure him is Sean Powell. Sean is coming back in. I am going to measure him in that door frame, and we're going to see just how tall he is. My money's is on like 5'5". Five, five. I'll just buy you a uh, cutout print of the imp, and uh, we can put that up. We don't need Sean. I, do, I have a question for you guys. Yes. And this is a serious question. My wife has been having this debate. I told you guys that we've been watching Love Island pretty religiously. Yes. 
the the amount of Love Island that we're watching is they really need to be a sponsor. This is like three oh. weeks in yeah, a no. row. It, it's the show is that good, but there is one particular girl, and I guess there is a sports applique here because since she left the show, she has been rumored to have been dating several English soccer stars, and she's really cute. At the same time? No, I don't know. You, I don't Those know. British girls. But here's the thing: is that she's she's really cute. She's a fixture on the show in season three. She makes it through the entire season. Um, but she's like 4'11". And my question is, at what point does a short woman in your eyes reach a point where it's like, yeah, it's a good-looking woman, but that it's not really because she's t- too little. And is that like sizest of me? Does it make me a bad person? Well... Being that I'm six five, uh, that's always a challenge for me. Well, four eleven and six five, you guys could not be compatible because you simply could never agree on the thermostat temperature in a house. <laughs> right. People don't realize the difference in, in the, the air temperature right. when you get to about a foot different in height. I mean, it would from be somebody. it would be annoying because she would be like Hey, Robert, and grabbing at your knee, like pulling your pant leg at your knee. Robert, honey, sweetie. Yeah, I, I've dated a short woman before. How short, though? I think she was five feet tall. Really? Yeah. That, to me, is unbelievable. Yeah. Now, did you break up with her because she was five foot tall? No, was no, that no, a contributing no. factor? No, not at all. You're sure? Yeah. All right. How how enlightened of you well, to like share the love with somebody of that size and stature. Well, you know, I get it. And and it didn't bother me. And again, I, I was having this conversation with a lady in our office today who is about five feet tall. And I said, I don't think I'm tall until I see myself in reflection and I notice I'm a foot taller than somebody. Well, see, that's cool because I don't think of myself as fat. <laughs> Until I see myself in a reflection with somebody, yeah. I'm like, oh god. Well, yeah, but and that's wow. the thing. I have somebody that just joined my work that's four eleven, and she never really thinks about her height either, being short. Yeah. Until she's around other yeah. people that Until are Until you make short jokes and around then her. I did. So. I made them all the time. That after a few days, I said, okay, I can't make any more short jokes. So, but see, she she'll run into situations like I'm in a grocery store. It happens all the time. Can you get that for me? I can't even imagine because I'm only 6'1", and I get the same thing. So I I imagine there's people standing around waiting on somebody your size. Like, I'm not – I'm just – So – or – and I don't think about it unless I have to buy clothes or if I got to get in somebody else's car or, you know, situations where they don't think about my size because they don't have to deal with my size. On the road – when you were traveling, playing college basketball, professional basket, spent a lot of time in hotel rooms, mm-hmm. how often did you encounter a bed that was too short? Not usually, because most mattresses are six feet long. So if I was laying at an angle, I could usually fit on it. Okay. Cool. Now, King is, uh, or California King is California six King's six. like enormous. Yeah, or I don't know. maybe seven feet. It's a, it's a. Even, I, I think a king is six. I think the California six. king isn't he six eight? LeBron six eight. <laughs> Magic Johnson six nine. How about uh, L.A. fans defacing? Yeah, every time two LeBron James murals. You what know what Jeannie Buss said? 
She said she didn't realize how many Boston fans lived in L.A. (laughs) (laughs) But apparently there was like a hit put out on these murals with a $300 bounty. 300 bucks. What? 300 bucks. I know, dude. I'm not getting out of bed for $300. That wouldn't even pay your court costs. Kobe, Kobe, knock it off. (laughs) LeBron will never pass you. Just leave him alone. You know what's really sad that made me sad this weekend? What's that? Is the story that uh, Sports Illustrated did with Isaiah Thomas and how Isaiah Thomas actually texted Danny Ainge and said, hey, man, it goes if you got room. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, just whoa, recently no, he texted no, 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 him no, no, and no. said, I'll come back. No, 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 no. It's not a text. Isaiah has now come out and said they had a 15 to 20-minute telephone conversation. And I do – there's part of me that says, you know what, that's sad that that happened. And then there's part of me that says, you know what, all the posturing in the world on both sides really doesn't mean anything. That it's not that important because Isaiah Thomas has been nothing but crappy about the whole situation with the trade, playing through the injury. You know, feels like I, I will give Isaiah Thomas this. He's never said that he has that he holds a grudge against the Celtics for having him play during the playoffs when he hurt his hip. But he has said, well, if I hadn't played through the hip injury, I'd already be back to 100% or would have been back to 100% earlier than I was, and it wouldn't have cost me all this money. But it was very interesting in all of that, in his outspokenness, in the same week that he texts essentially or, or tweets to Kawhi Leonard and DeMar Rosen, you know, learn from my story. This is a business. You know, they'll they'll stab you in the back. That Yeah, he reaches out to Danny Ainge and is like, hey, man, if there's any room on that bus – let me let me let me jump on. Tell him to call me. I've got a spot for him in the Raleigh Firebirds. I need I'm some not employment. sure that the Firebirds can afford the buyout in his Denver Nuggets contract, but I do think the Nuggets are an interested landing spot for him. If he is willing to come off the bench and be instant offense with the second unit, I think it's a great signing. I really, really do. And I can't this is another one of those situations we were talking about Carmelo and having a clear meeting of the minds and an understanding about what the role is going to be. If Isaiah is going to come off the bench and be the, the you know the the focal point of the second unit, it could be great. If he thinks he's going to come in there and unseat Jamal Murray, right. who has suddenly become an 18, 20 point a night scorer at the point guard for the Nuggets, it could be very there, bad. There's only two places he can play in the league. Talk to me. Boston and Utah. Because they have systems that allow him to do what he's best at. Their systems make guys look a little better than they really are. Uh, look at Rodney Hood coming to Cleveland. He looked like he couldn't play. We'll, gotcha. we'll get to it. All right. We'll see you on the other side of the break. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hey Clarice, can we please put on the new Justin Bieber album? Hold on, Dad will be mad if we don't listen to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. 
All right, welcome back to From the Chief Seats. We started the last segment, and and I began down that Josh Hader road, and we got sidetracked back into the NBA, talking about Carmelo again. But here's the here's the situation for those of you that have been living in a cave. Josh Hader is a relief pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers, 24 years old, um, has really become one of the premium relievers in baseball. Is that fair to say, Trent? Yep. He's an all-star. He was an all-star. And I'll be honest with you, this story broke nationally sort of in conjunction with the All-Star game. It's been out there for a while. I mean, it's been months ago that I first read about this, and I kind of followed it away and was like, you know what, what a, what a douche. Um, but this thing has gotten traction, and TMZ jumped on it, and then Sports Illustrated, Washington Post, Huffington Post, all, all these national outlets have jumped in. It's interesting to me that as this, the coverage has grown, the exact context of his tweets, which is what's in question here, has been lost. And I've listened over the last couple of days to a lot of talking heads on ESPN, Fox Sports, Mad Dog Radio, all over the dial, and they allude to what he put into his tweets, but they don't say explicitly what he conveyed. And I'm about to tell you. There are four tweets in question, all from around the time that he was 17 years old. The one that you are most likely to have seen says simply, I hate gay people. That's about as cut and dry as it gets. <coughs> There's no you know, confusion over the context. There's no way that it can be misinterpreted. That's what it says, and that's what he meant. There is a second text that says white power and has a white fist up in the air with a subsequent tweet that says KKK. And then there are two other tweets out there that are a bit longer, and Trent's looking for him furiously now. <laughs> and I'm not sure I'm pretty enlightened and I feel pretty comfortable. I'm not even sure I would be comfortable repeating what they say, even as reporting this. One talks about women and their roles. The other one talks about black people and invokes the N-word and really just doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. But the bottom line is, is this is a 17-year-old kid who was filled with a lot of hate and saw the world through a very narrow lens. His response to this, as it has become a thing, is to fall back on the fact that I was just a kid and I was trying to figure out who I was. I was 17 years old. I haven't seen a specific apology to any particular group of people anywhere out there. This past weekend, after the All-Star game and after the blow-up and this whole thing went national and, and people have said their piece about Josh Hader, he entered a game in Milwaukee to a standing ovation from the Milwaukee fans. That pisses me off more than anything that this kid tweeted at any point in his life. And the only rational justification no not the only but one of the rational justifications i've heard from it is that 
that is proof positive how much America hates the media and that this is a backlash toward the media. And I guess if I really wanted to use my imagination, I could stretch my legs out and wrap my head around that. But it's real hard not to look at this situation and, as I like to do, keep it as simple as possible, that the folks in Milwaukee are pretty narrow-minded too. And bear in mind, this is a supportive fan base. This is the same fan base that welcomed um, Ryan Braun after his steroid suspension back with the same type of, of ovation. But this is a different animal. Ricky, am I being too cynical? I don't think so. And let me first say, when we're 17, we all have done or said something stupid or insensitive. Sure. We all have grown and gotten better. Everybody deserves a second chance. I said it earlier. I think the way you handled it is you apologize, one. Then you give an explanation of why it happened, and then you leave it alone. If you've sincerely changed and grown, it will show. Apologize, explain, keep it moving. No No need to dwell on things from seven years ago when my decision making wasn't great and I was a young man and I had some frustrations and I was figuring some things out. No need to go back there. Um, And I think you're right about the fans. They're pretty narrow-minded as well. I mean, why would you give this guy a standing ovation? What did he do to deserve? He didn't apologize. I think an apology sets the tone for maybe an ovation, but what are you what are you applauding at that point? And I think that the problem for baseball is compounded by the fact that baseball crowds in America are particularly lily white. Um, it is a game that among white Americans, who are the the, the, the biggest supporters of, of baseball as a sport, it also is a very suburban game. Um, you don't see as much support for baseball in your metropolitan urban centers. It's something that has become a suburban game throughout America. So if folks in Milwaukee or folks that are sympathetic to the ovation that that the Milwaukee fans gave don't understand why a lot of us are looking at you out the side of our heads, you need to just step back and calm down for a second. Nobody's calling anybody racist or anything of of that sort. But just think about how it's received. And I know that there is a group of folks out there who, you know, they throw out words about hypersensitivity and snowflakes and the rest of that stuff. But when things like this happen, there is a chance for dialogue. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we'd all be well served just to shut up and listen to one another for a little bit. Josh Hader I'm not going to judge him or classify him as anything or or feeling a, a certain way because I don't know the guy. Um, I feel like over a very short period, had I been around him, I'd have a pretty good feel for what he was all about. I've listened to Lorenzo Cain in particular 
talk about Josh Hader and you know where he was at. I'm not sold that Lorenzo Cain is really satisfied with the situation. It sounded pretty mechanical. You know, we've got to sort through this, and, you know, I think he's a good guy. But I do think there's going to be some people looking at him. Remember what happened in the NFL with um, – who was the receiver for Philly? Oh, um, the white guy out of Florida. Went to the concert. Yeah, um, went to the concert and got ended up on YouTube. Yeah. And all the rest of that. Now that – the difference there was that that was now. It wasn't seven years ago when he was a teenager and pretty much spelled the end of his career. Right. And, and ran him out of the league. And I'm not suggesting that Josh Hader shouldn't be in the league, but I don't know. I'm almost 47, 46 years old. So 17 was a very, very long time ago. And I have certainly changed. I have certainly evolved. Um, and what I think now is not necessarily what I thought at 17, but I'm really struggling to think of something that I knew I believed to be absolutely true that could have led me to say something as inflammatory or as hateful as that that I've grown out of since then. And I'm a lot farther than seven years removed from that. Yeah, and Does I that think make that's, sense, the, Trent? that's the problem that I'm having with it. I mean, that was 2011. That's not that long ago. And and here's the other piece. Like of even thinking about that, when I was 24 – by the time I was 17, now if he tweeted this out when he was like 10 or 11, yeah, maybe I mean, you give him a pass. Yeah. But by the time I'm 17, I've developed my own convictions well, well, and, and my own beliefs. Here's, here's the other thing that some, some talking heads have put out there. Well, maybe you know he felt like he was trying to impress people. Maybe he was trying to you know appeal to a group of people that were around him. Well, that, that bothers me even more. Well, because he, he's from, uh, what is it, Mer- Merrillville? Uh, Maryland, right? A population of 20,000. The demographics is 71% white to 12% African-American. So them bringing that up in that, and I grew up kind of in that same field, like Crystal Lake, Illinois was very upper middle class white community, you know, and we would joke around, hey, we had our token one black kid in our high school. But I didn't make comments like that. Yeah. You know, I didn't believe that. And I'm not making an excuse for the kid. When you grow up sometimes and you don't have black friends or Latino friends or gay friends. And the median income is $120,000 a year. You're in a different world. You're You're surrounded by a whole different ideology about life. So... Your thinking might fall in line with the people around you. But, Robert, that's the point that I'm making, is that if this wasn't his thought and his thought alone, and this was not what it was in his heart, what is it was in his heart, the fact that he felt like it was okay to say this because the people around him believed this was okay, that bothers me more. Well, some of the stuff that he said wasn't, didn't he... Uh quote rap lyrics though no he tried to use that as an excuse i I didn't see that as an excuse what i saw was that he said he didn't vividly remember doing it which is kind of weird but uh, anyway we'll talk about something more uplifting on the other side you listen to from the cheap seats in sanford north carolina you're listening to crystal lambert and brandon adkins 
on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Welcome back to the Cat Show. Up next, we have Nico. Nico is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right. A group known especially for their sunspot sleeping, ball chasing, leg rubbing, and of course, companionship. Just look how she struts. It's like she owns the place. And see how she curls up and cuddles her person. The pitch on her purring is simply perfect. Nice one. Fantastic cat. But really the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Nico is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Art Council. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today, or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. For years, Brandon and I have talked about doing a beer podcast, doing (laughs) craft beers. We know a lot of guys that are connected with the industry, are connoisseurs, all, all kinds of folks. We feel like we could we could do some cool too things. Too many with people it. do it nowadays. They really do. Yeah. And here's the other piece of that too Plain. is I can't I, you know, listening to people talk about sports I'm down with and I do that on the road and I spend a lot of time on the road. Um I'm not really sure I could get in to listen to somebody talking about beer on the radio. So I'm, I'm not I'm not feeling that. But I say that because this has turned into four loco radio. That's right. <laughs> and why? Over because the, there's four or five crazy people on no, the radio. It's because there's this yeah. It's a, it's a dual meaning. It, I, it's a dual. There, there you meaning. go. Four I like that. Loco radio. Double entendre. I think they call that. Um, yeah, four loco has become the drink of choice around here, which is kind of bizarre because we are all grown men, right? And four loco, you usually. Uh, I don't know. You usually would think of that in relation to frat parties or We've winos. We've maintained our youthful mentality. Yeah, we could go to, like, when I was 16, dude, Zima was my my, my jam. That was now, my go-to. See, it's funny that you say Zima, Zima because... Zima and Crazy Horse. Brick oh even God. sent me a picture of Zima the other day. Found it at Harris Teeter in Charlotte. That's Didn't know amazing. they still made it. Still around Zima. I'm going to bring a six-pack in. You know what? I may even ingest a Zima next week if I bring it in. I don't believe in. that. I don't believe that. You're the one the one uh, completely innocent party here in this studio when it comes to imbibing adult yeah, beverages. I know. Um, there have been some segments that have never made it beyond the cutting room floor um, a couple weeks ago. <laughs> well, we did a full two and a half hours, and the last half hour, there was no way it was going anywhere beyond my computer after you guys sent me the segments. We, um, that, we, was, that was pretty bizarre. We've had. Uh, We've had some marathons, though. We've yeah. done – it's taken us about five or six hours to do 
two hours. Because we there have been some perfectionists. Well, now, now it's generally because there's a problem over there in the in the room next door. To the fact, well, perfectionists stay with my store. Yeah, yeah, we'll go with that. We'll this was the uh, first week we were going to go to three, but we've had to wait a little bit. There's not enough going on. I don't no. know if I could feel three hours right now if we had no. to. Maybe come this football season. Stay Man, football, tuned, listeners. Football, we may have to. Because then you got football. Then in October, you start up with NBA, and you got hockey and well, baseball Well, in football playoffs. season by itself, if you remember last year, every single week we'd get done and be like, damn, we didn't get a chance to talk about fill in the blank. We spent a month talking about college football and uh the potential playoff matches and never even talked about the NFL. I know. I know. We've got a lot of content. We should really be on seven days a week, shouldn't we? So we, well, we couldn't do loco seven days a week, but (laughs) imagine (laughs) when there's dead stretches in the summer like that and a little loco, you have five hour show. Easily. Easily. I might not remember the third, fourth, don't, or fifth Don't hour, worry about that. But it would be all nah, right. Nobody cares. So we need Loco to call us to become yes. our official sponsor. For Loco. If you guys have got a contact at the corporate office, I don't even know who cans for Loco. I, I think it's out of Houston. Okay. I don't know why. I think I was on their website. I think I actually emailed them once to find out why I can't find Black Cherry Loco in the state of North Carolina. That is some hardcore alcoholism right there. <laughs> Four Loco <laughs> is a line of alcoholic beverages sold by Fusion Projects of Chicago, Illinois, Chicago. United States. Fusion right. operates as Drink for Brewing Company. Drink for Brewing Company. All right. Get a get a good contact number there. We need to get in touch with them. There's got to be some sponsor dollars in this. Yeah, place. I mean, they're, they're big in Paraguay, the Bahamas, Peru, <laughs> Mexico, Bolivia, See, Honduras, El Salvador, Nicaragua, Costa Rica, China, Canada. And some countries in I, Europe. It, I cannot believe that they're drinking Four loco in China. Well, Amen. That's what I don't says. believe that. They made that up. And they uh, have been here since 2005. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So I started the last segment by talking about the Seattle Seahawks and how that front office, for a matter of three or four years, could absolutely do no wrong. And I remember saying a year or two ago, that there's an awful lot of luck involved, in particular in the NFL, as it applies to running a franchise. And you've kind of got to strike gold somewhere where you didn't see it coming. Right. You know, if you're the New England Patriots, obviously it's easy to point to Brady in a seventh-round pick that turned into, you know, what he turned into. If you're the Seattle Seahawks, they were playing with an unfair advantage for all those years with Russell Westbrook as a mid-round pick playing for peanuts. They Russell could throw Wilson. all this money into the defense. Once Russell had to get paid, yeah. boy, it didn't take long for this thing to get well, torn apart. One thing about the Patriots, they don't keep guys past their prime. Absolutely. They do a phenomenal job yeah. of rotating their roster to the point where they keep relevant pieces at all times and never, not never, but seldom have bad contracts weighing them down. Well, and the thing with the Patriots is they found the happy medium between being ruthless but still not appearing to be bad guys about doing it. Right. There have been a couple moves that they've made where it's been eye-raising, but they haven't had players run out and trash them in the press or any of that, they're just like, eh, it's kind of so how they So is Seattle do over? Is Seattle over? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They're done. This is this is what Seattle showed me, how to run an NFL franchise. All right. You have to have 
that college quarterback come in and be successful quickly and spend all the money you can on everything else in defense until you have to pay that quarterback. And the second Russell Wilson got paid, Seattle was I, I think I kind of agree with that. And I think because the Broncos Philly did the now. same thing. Well, and look at, Philly's look at in that Philly. position. Philly's still in that position. And the Rams. And the Rams. Now, I don't know that that's the only way to do it because you look at the Steelers. Steelers have been doing it for a long time. Um, obviously, the the – we talked about New England. There are some Saints. teams out there that have done it. The the Colts. Saints have done it. The Saints have done it. So there's other ways to do it. But that is a model, is to get that young quarterback. I think that's the Seattle model. And while model. he's making peanuts, go yep. with it. Here's the other thing I'll say about the Seattle model, though, is that Seattle, during Pete Carroll's tenure, Pete Carroll is a lot of things. But Pete Carroll is not a taskmaster or a, dis- a disciplinarian. He is – fostered organized chaos within that locker room. A lot of guys that are unhinged, sort of wild men. So that's that's back, a throwback to the 60s and 70s with the Raiders and the Steelers where you got these guys who will say anything, they'll do anything on the field, they'll bully you, they'll push you around, and they're going to let you know that they're the biggest, baddest dog on the block. The problem is, is that that organized chaos and and creating these enormous personalities with the Michael Bennett's, Richard Sherman's, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas's the world, at some point, the animals take over the circus. Well, you've said this. We've said this for the years that we've been on. Coaches have a shelf life that you'll have their team. Now, unless your name is Mike Brown, everyone understands that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, or Robert Kraft, but I think – that's coming uh, yeah. to an end as well. Maybe. So I think Pete Carroll has, yes, he's created a monster that he realized he couldn't control, so they're plucking them out of the system one by one, and I think that's going to be the end of Pete Carroll's I right. do, and I will say this, that Pete Carroll, if I'm another franchise and I'm spinning my wheels, Pete Carroll's number one on my list because if you're going to have that measure of success, come do it here. And we'll go ahead and you can burn this place up over the course of five or six years and we'll deal with that then. But in the short term, he is the consummate player's coach. One. Like Jim Harbaugh with the Niners. Sort of. Had a little bit longer longevity, I'd though. See, I see I see, him and Harbaugh as two different animals. Yeah, he the was a taskmaster. Yeah, the thing with Carroll is that Carroll yeah. fosters competition. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't care if you were the number one pick in the draft or if you were an unsigned f- street free agent. He employed the same philosophy in Seattle that he had at USC. The best players are going to play. Don't care where you came from. And you saw they signed Matt Flynn to a gigantic deal. Matt Flynn was out the door the second they saw Russell Wilson in the preseason. We're like, oh, dear. Mm -hmm. This kid is better. No regard for what the contract looked like. Richard Sherman comes in as a fourth – I think he was a fourth-round pick. He's a starter immediately out of the gate. Players love that. They love to come in and think, I've got a legit shot to be a contributor – you know, and outkick my draft position or whatever the case might be. You look at Brandon Browner and guys like that that they brought in from the Canadian League and unsigned free agents and all the rest of that. I think there's a lot to be said for that. Even Marshawn Lynch at the time, absolutely, was kind Lynch, of a burned out, never lived up to his There are people that are like, "Ah, oh, it's a myth." Lynch was awesome when he was in Buffalo. No, ah. Lynch was okay in Buffalo. Yeah. He's a Hall of Famer once he gets to Seattle. 
But again, it was Pete Carroll kind of allowing these guys to do their thing and keeping everybody happy. And now it's just it's blown up. Mm-hmm. And Earl Thomas may be the final nail in the coffin. He wants out. There are a lot of teams lining up trying to figure out how they're going to be able to get their hands on him. He wants $13.5 million a year. Seattle can't give it to him. He's but going if to the I'm, Cowboys. If I'm the Browns or if I'm a lot of different franchise, uh, franchises across the league, give me some of that. Come on in here and build this same type of animal. And you know what? It may blow up in your face years down the road, but that's fine. Get us a, a Super Bowl championship. It's got to be a franchise, though, that has – the ownership mentality and GM mentality that Seattle has because there's I don't know who the owners of the Seattle Seahawks are Paul Allen Paul Allen yeah, yeah I know but he's not that big he's no. not like a Jerry Jones it wouldn't That's work in Paul Dallas Allen. heck it wouldn't work in Cincinnati I'll, to be honest with well, you here's, it won't work in Cleveland it wouldn't it wouldn't work in Cincinnati because the ownership group won't get out of his way they won't get out of their own way. They they just keep doing it. Yeah, Paul, Paul Allen, Allen has is other things to do. That's right. Oh. Paul Allen is like, oh yeah, the thing number two in my anymore. What's that? I don't think he owns. I think them he anymore. does. I think okay. you're wrong. I probably am. You can look it up. I don't and, really. And know. if I'm wrong, I'll, I'll say I'm wrong. I, I think along with what you were saying, every franchise and every sport has a window of opportunity. Yes. Uh, Cleveland overspent and did what they needed to do, but they went to the finals. Four straight years? Yeah. Three straight, four three, straight years. Three, four? Three, four. They knew they had a window of opportunity. We better cap a strike while the iron is hot. And it was four straight. And it was four straight. So that's unparalleled success before you. Not, you you're going to take a, a dip a little bit, but no franchise stays hot forever. I think New England is an ex- example, exception, and maybe Pittsburgh. But – most franchises, it's ebb and flow. Absolutely. And Cleveland, you know, Dan Gilbert, the owner out there, he and LeBron have never gotten together. He's <clears> taken <throat> a lot of heat over that. Dan Gilbert saw we have a chance for unprecedented success. We're gonna get a we're gonna get a championship. Maybe we'll get two. The thing that people don't recognize about Cleveland, and and there's a lot of talk about, well, you know, LeBron didn't have enough talent around him, blah, 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 blah. Over the last four years. Cleveland, in real dollars, spent more money on payroll than any team in the NBA, and it's not close. Because not only did they have their full maxed-out payroll, they've been in luxury tax for the last four years. There was no shortage of commitment from the ownership group. Now that that's over and LeBron is out of there, I have been the first one to say, Cleveland, it's not dead in the water. They've got some pieces there. They could do some things. But it's going to be very interesting to see if Dan Gilbert's like, you know what, money is no object. When LeBron's here, I want to see if he's willing to pay that kind of luxury tax bill now that LeBron's not. And I have a feeling he's going to ease off the throttle for right. a couple years ago. Yeah, I um, We'll see how it shakes out. But that's verifiable. And if you don't believe me, go look it up. Cleveland over the last four years spent more money on payroll than any team in the NBA. Now this year, I would imagine Golden State is going to surpass that because their tax bill has just grown out of control. We got 15 more minutes to go. We'll see you on the other side. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats right here in Central North Carolina. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. 
Visit Habitat.org to donate today. My name is Forrest, Forrest Gump. My mom always told me you don't have to sit down close to see the action. Sometimes it's better from the cheap seats. And that's all I gotta say about that. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, fellas, we have hit the home stretch. Anything burning on your mind? First of all, is Paul Allen the owner of the Seattle Seahawks? Why, yes, he is. Since 1996, he also owns the Portland Trailblazers and is a minority owner with Drew Carey and the Seattle Sounders. Interesting. Yes, I love that man. He's my new (laughs) idol. kind of money. He's only 43rd richest man in the world. Only. Estimated at $25 billion. That's bananas. You know, I saw my. I didn't see. I can't. I can't even claim to have seen this. But my wife imparted some knowledge to me. They. She was looking at a list of the new young billionaires, and apparently, Kylie Jenner is a billionaire now with her cosmetic line. Yeah. What? Yeah. You know how she got her her to get over the hump to join the billionaire? No. People go funded it to her. Shut up. Yeah. You just made that up. Nope. Ridiculous! You you got just, to be kidding! Me. Just nope. so that they could say so she's they one of the, the youngest the, billionaire. Yep. How much was the GoFundMe? I can't campaign? remember. I'll look it up. Are you 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 can't? I'm be dead serious. serious. People, it was an outrage on Twitter. They're like, okay, there's people starving and all this stuff. Why are we giving money right. to make Kylie Jenner a billionaire? That's bananas. True story. You know what I've learned in the last week? What's that? I learned about cryptocurrency. You did crypto. Yes. I know we. I know that you and Brandon were having a conversation yes. about that. I didn't understand it, so I sought to. Uh, is that a, be enlightened? Is that what Superman spends? <laughs> Cryptocurrency. So so now now you are you are an investment advisor. No, I'm a financial, financial planner. I'm a financial advisor. Okay, so that doesn't have anything. So you would not try to turn me on to any particular investment or not. Is that what you're trying to tell me? No. He just tells so you, hey, you, you want to have a, money, save money. Yeah, right. You have uh, Stop spending two categories. So much. You had to get licensed for that, huh? Yes. <laughs> Financial advisor and then an advis- investment advisor representative. Okay. And there's so, a difference. So as a as a investment advisor representative. Nope, I'm not an investment. Okay, so as a financial planner. planner. Yes. Would you or would you not advise me to plan to have cryptocurrency as part of my portfolio? I would. Okay. I would. Done. I'm going to go buy some tonight. No. Don't do it. Oh. What I would say is get a grasp of what it is. Why? I got you. Oh, no. Because you can't. You can trust me, but I don't feel that good about making decisions that you don't understand Oh, on your behalf. Okay. I can't do that. Well, I don't understand bonds either. So Bonds are easy. <laughs> well, he used steroids. He played baseball <laughs> for San Francisco. See, I'm, I wish Brandon was here because Brandon feels real strongly about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, right. but I'm never sure which side of the fence he's on. Right. And I, I'm going to be perfectly honest it with you. It sounded like last week – when he was talking to Robert about that, he was kind of sleeping on that topic. Which here's side he was on? With, I, I think he's pro. Well, here's the thing with, with, with cryptocurrency: is it's indisputable 
that has created a lot of very young millionaires. The problem is, is where do we go from here? Yeah. And the you biggest money on it. You can. Now, here's the, the issue as I see it. We've grown up with money in banks. Yes. And you go get a job, pay, pay you, put your money in the bank. Yes. That's been a standard since our country's been here. Thanks, Alexander Cri- Hamilton. Cryptocurrency is not a centralized currency, and it's not held in banks. It's stored on your phone. I'm yes. just scared that if I lose my password, it's gone. Yeah, it, it is. is. It no, is. I know, but oh, that's yes. the thing that scares yeah. me. Yeah. So my thing is, I could become a millionaire, and I'd be feeling great, and all of a sudden, you I get knocked in the yeah. head, and I'm like, Dude, there are Honey, there are stories no out there idea. with people who have tens yeah. of millions of dollars in their portfolio who cannot get it. So if I bought a thousand dollars worth, Robert, what would happen to me? There's a well, lot of different see, cryptocurrencies. Yeah, there are at least ten. So I think there's going to be a huge appreciation in the value of all of them. So I, I listened to a webinar the other night. A guy, this makes a lot of sense. All states where marijuana is legal. It's state approved, not federally approved. You can't put marijuana mm. money in a federally insured bank. It's called money laundering. So hmm. with cryptocurrency, you can circumvent the system. Well, that's why it was created. Yes. And what I didn't realize is it's called block trade, which is a running ledger of transactions. So whoever thought of it did a brilliant job it's well thought out so if i have cryptocurrency though can i legally buy marijuana if you're from north carolina to california no No. you can buy it in the state where they sell it legally but uh now what i did there's another and I'll, i'll let you get back to that too but there is some of the cryptocurrencies are just out there in their general things. There is one of them that's new that's out there that is specifically to buy porn. Oh, God. I didn't know that. It's a brand new one. What? But it's out there, and they porn, have their initial release. Porn coin? It, it's it's actually <laughs> something like that. It's, Did Pornhub <laughs> invent it? No, I, I don't know. But there are – I signed up for it. You can get uh, a Visa – and actually spend your one of the problems now is the, the current system it takes 10 minutes it's a long process if, so if i wanted to go to store it just takes time to spend cryptocurrency in a regular store but they've got new processes and systems now where you can swipe your visa and spend cryptocurrency <coughs> anywhere so how do you buy how much is one dollar worth in cryptocurrency it's point zero 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 three two five or something like that. It's a, I don't know the numbers, but how do you make money off of it? Off of fluctuation, well, just like yeah, you do in the market, it goes yeah, up and it goes currencies down. fluctuate. Uh, wow. Yeah. The problem, as it stands, and I am not a licensed financial planner or investment advisor, but the problem is, is that the only thing that backs cryptocurrency is confidence. Yes. Well. And, what about our dollars? That's the only thing that backs our True. dollars right now. But the problem here is, empty. is that it's proven that the cryptocurrencies are being manipulated. The values are being manipulated up and down on an hourly basis from from entities all over the globe. What do you think happens to the dollar? I, I got you. But 
at the end of the day, the U.S. government is backing that dollar. The full faith and confidence of the United, United States, States of America. So how do you cash out? If it gets to a point that you're like, damn, that's a lot of money, I'm out. I want to cash sell it. it all in. You sell it to somebody else. Yeah. I sell For it to real you. money? It's just, yeah. yeah. So if I say, hey, my crypto's worth a million dollars, I'll sell it to you for a million bucks. You give me a million bucks. In theory, yes. Wow. It's just like the market. There's always buyers and there's always sellers. So you sell. Wow. And this is not intended for investment advice. I guess I need to say that. Yeah, you need to de- definitely need yeah, to I'm just, I don't, I'm just having I don't a general carry conversation a license, here. But you do. But... Uh, it's really interesting. I, I say read up on it. I think it's fascinating. I watched a YouTube video that explained cryptocurrency, and it put it in the context of a uh, medieval times market. Right. And a guy showed up to the market with Bitcoin and was like, here, I want to give you this Bitcoin in exchange for the chicken. Mm-hmm. Like, Can I eat it? No. Can I drink it? No. Can I have sex with it? No. What am I going to do with it? And that was kind of the end of it. Right. But the the issue with Bitcoin is that if consumer confidence crashes, if I lo- if 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 there is a mass loss of faith in cryptocurrency, it could very quickly become worth nothing. And if that happens, there is no backing. There are no same with Bitcoin. There are yeah. no well yeah. Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency. Yeah. yeah. So there are no nets in place. There is no FDIC. So I th- I would me personally my my advice would go play with it do like we do with penny Although, stocks I'm sure you play with some penny stocks I'm guaranteed and you're out there and you know you, maybe you, but don't if, ever if treat this as a primary investment stock, device it could go worthless tomorrow as well yeah it could be a political scandal it could be a mismanagement of money it could but in in this day and age there are investments that I have that are long term and I yeah. think they're relatively safe and they they, they Pretty much will be. But there have been times in my life where I've done a little day trading with, with penny stocks. Right. And, you know, things like that. And just trying to make it and make a little bit of money one day and you lose a little bit the other day yeah. and you play with it. But it's 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 akin to playing slot machines. Exactly. It's the same as betting. It is. I, I mean, always told no, people back in the day, it is I'm not going to do penny stocks. I'd rather just bet on sports because I know more about that than I do the stock market. Well, and that's, that is a legit philosophy. And... I've considered that, but if you're paying close enough attention in the moment to either one of those, you got pretty good odds. But don't ever, whether it's in the market with with cryptocurrency or with sports betting, don't ever put more than you can afford to lose up at stake. Do more responsible things. I've gotten calls from family and friends asking me to invest money in certain stocks. Nope, won't do it. Why not? Because you're going to watch the market intensely and if it drops one nickel you're gonna call me and I'm not gonna answer that call <laughs> so I say listen if you want to really do it I'll point you to somebody that help you with the transaction but you're not gonna worry me to death when your stock dips and eventually they all trade dip. man it's like seven bucks a trade <laughs> yeah, that's what I, and I open I, an account so uh, but you're right gambling market very similar and yeah. the system's stacked anyway when it comes to the market. Right. Um, There's th- manipulation of all kinds. Of course there is. You know, of today is, is a National Vanilla Ice Cream Day. I had no idea. Yeah, so there there was my friend, this penguin, the other day. He uh, had some car trouble. 
So he got his car towed to the mechanic, and the mechanic's like, hey, give me about 45 minutes. I'll uh, tell you what's wrong with your car. So he went next door. There was an ice cream shop, ate a scoop of vanilla ice cream, and was so good. <laughs> he ate another one. He still had a few minutes, but he went over to the mechanic. The mechanic looks at him and goes, looks like you blew a seal. And the penguin goes, no, I just had ice cream. You went a long way. <laughs> For a really bad question. <laughs> Dude. I love that one. Okay. Hey, right. do you know why but My only orange? question with regard to that, is it vanilla ice cream day? Or it is. That's use the only reason why I told that joke. joke. No. So, so you know why the orange crossed the stopped in the middle of the road? It ran out of juice. Goodbye, Trent, and goodbye, America. You've been listening to From the Cheap Seats here in Central North Carolina. We love you guys. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.